Hi there, welcome to the Queer Moms You Wish You Had. This episode, we are going to be speaking with family and fertility lawyer Sarah Cohen out of Ontario. Now, Sarah is about to share a wealth of information with regards to the legalities around growing your family through a known donor or known surrogate. Um, but we would like to note that none of this information should be considered legal advice. And we do strongly encourage everyone to connect with and consult with their own lawyers before proceeding with anything to do with um, growing your family in this manner, if that is something that you choose to do. <laughs> Parenthood, man. It's not what you think. Excellent. It's recording. So how are you doing this morning? I am well, thank you. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for like responding so quickly to my email and making this time to chat with me. I was like reading your bio and I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness, this, this <laughs> human, like how will, how will they have time to talk? And here you oh, are. <laughs> that's so kind of you. Well, I'm glad to participate. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. So um, yeah, my name is Kyle. My pronouns are they and them. And this is the Queer Moms You Wish You Had podcast. My co-host is taking a little hiatus this month. So usually I've got Alexis uh, with me as well, who is really awesome. But um, yeah, would you mind introducing yourself for the benefit of the listeners? Sure. My pleasure. I'm Sarah Cohen. My pronouns are she and her. Um, I am a fertility lawyer in Toronto, but I work right across the country and um, uh, a large segment of my uh, clientele are members of the queer community um, and I'm really excited about non-heteronormative family building and I think um, we do have some problems still in Canada, but overall I'm really proud to say that Canada is doing some really incredible work and making some great progress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've like we've had the opportunity to chat with uh, parent units across, well, maybe not fully across Canada, but at least from Alberta, BC, and Ontario so far, mm-hmm. um, and some folks down in the states. So it's things look a little bit different in terms of, uh, you know, what what the like the legalities go in behind all of this stuff Uh, a lot of our earlier episodes focused on like the logistical parts of like how to get pregnant if uh, only one of you if not if neither of you produce sperm Mm -hmm. Um, but there's been a lot of uh, inquiry around the legal side of things and I know for myself like uh, the case of my wife and I Uh, we took a a very casual approach (laughs) to it. Like we just literally wrote up a document that like pretty much copied and pasted something that we found online and and then got everybody to sign it and got it notarized. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but we know that that's just like one of many ways and that there are people who probably want a lot more, a lot more included, a lot more maybe protection or assurance or whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, and that was that's one of the reasons that I wanted to, to that I reached out to you. Uh, I've been doing some googling and I came across uh, an article that you'd been mentioned, and I just followed the links and then found your page and read your bio, and I was like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> uh, 
So um, yeah, before we get into all the nitty gritty stuff, how did you get into the field of fertility law? I didn't even know that that was a thing. Right. So um, I'm not sure I knew it was a thing either, but when I was in undergrad, I worked uh, on weekends and the evenings at a fertility clinic. And then um, I worked at the Office of Population Research at Princeton University for a summer, talking really about more like contraceptive technology and policies behind those kind of issues. And then when I was in law school, I took every course I could and made it about fertility issues. So whether it was bioethics in the law or health law or sexuality in the law or, you know, you name it, I made it about these issues because this is just what fascinates me. And then um, I kind of did not take, I took the more typical path uh, when I graduated law school. And then when I started building my own family, I had my own um, issues that really kind of made me stop and think about what I wanted to do with my life. And I feel, um, it's going to sound so cheesy, but I feel that lawyers, just like some other people, but lawyers in particular in this situation have a certain uh, knowledge base that you can kind of use for good that not everybody has. And I felt that um, I hoped I was able to bring something to the overall community and to individuals and uh, kind of assist them in building their family. And I couldn't think of, I can't think of a better way to uh, use the skills that I do have. It's really, it's really like, uh, I have to say, it's a very lovely, fulfilling career. I can only imagine. Are there many folks out there that are doing fertility law? I think there's quite a number who dabble in fertility law. And yeah. then in terms of people who do it all day, every day, like me, I think yeah. there's probably, you know, maybe four across the country, maybe three across the country. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. All right. So special, a specialty field for sure. Yes. Amazing. And like, the information that and like the knowledge base that you have around this like fertility law isn't something that just uh, impacts queer couples or folks who are single by choice um it's people of all identities all genders um yes because how long have you been doing this work now um a little more than 10 years okay so a while at this point i feel i can finally say that's been quite some time <laughs> yeah so. 10 years is is a big deal to be sinking your teeth in and really specializing in something like that yeah so it's been a while and there have been lots of changes in that time um for me because I'm in Ontario perhaps the most exciting has been the change with the all families are equal act has been important uh legislation it's it's not perfect legislation but it's good legislation um and it's really a leader in many ways so um, the biggest change I've probably seen, um, well, the most important change that I've seen is that uh, I'm going to just jump right into the legalities, if that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. That was going to be one of the questions. <laughs> so pop right in. Yeah. <laughs> so the biggest legal change that I've seen is that um, we have clarity that a donor is not a parent under the law in Ontario. And this was, especially with sperm donors, this was perhaps the most dangerous part of third party reproduction uh, until that was clarified. So that's really important. And then maybe the biggest change in terms of just what people are doing in building their family is that Ontario is really the only jurisdiction in the world that I'm aware of that allows sperm donation through sex if you have an agreement put into place in advance. And people don't really know that. Um, 
And yeah, so it protects the donor of being just a donor and the parent from not being, you know, subject to claims of that the donor wants uh, parentage rights, et cetera. Um, and it's very different. So that's kind of brand new uh, groundwork um, that's been laid. Um, and then I see a lot of polyamorous families at this point. So that's also um, a big uh, a big change from 10 years ago. I really didn't see very many. Okay. So in the, like the context of a polyamorous family, what are some of the things that you would see um, that they would might need some legal support with? So usually in a polyamorous family, although sometimes all three are in some ways physically involved in reproduction, that's not the norm or that's not typical of what I see. Um, what I typically see is two people are involved in the actual, you know, mechanisms of reproduction. And if you want to make three or more people the legal parents, um, you actually have to make a legal contract in advance so that that person who's you know, not carrying a child, sperm is not being used, etc. still has legal rights to the child upon the child's birth. Okay. Um, you actually have to take steps in advance. So we, I enter into those contracts or I help people enter into those contracts relatively frequently. Okay. And is this just in Ontario or is this something that polyamorous families would be able to do across Canada? Definitely not. So for example, Alberta only allows two parents to, in a family. Uh, Ontario and British Columbia right now allow multi-parent families. Manitoba is about to have new legislation, which may or may not include multi-parent families. I don't know if it's going to. Um, And Saskatchewan yesterday came out with new legislation, which I don't actually know yet. I haven't looked yet for multi-parent families, but they did get new legislation yesterday, which I'm confident deals with the donation issues. I'm not sure about the multi-parent family issue. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, that's so amazing. And, uh, and so progressive, like, you know, it's been in my lifetime that like queer family, like two same sex individuals couldn't even get married, let alone like have children. And now, um, or, you know, the, the legalities of having children together. Um, but it's interesting that it is, different from province to province mm-hmm. that's something that's a that's a question that um because i my co-host um their donor i believe is from out of province and there's been a few people that we've spoken to who their donors have been from out of province or out of country um and yeah it's just interesting that's challenging i mean yeah. whoever would have thought i mean as a lawyer you never would have thought that the biggest question in our practice area is is really probably like a choice of law issue But um, I mean, when we're drafting contracts, we generally try to take the most, uh, the the best legislation and try to, you know, if you have a donor in Ontario, but the parents are in Nova Scotia, you might want to try to make Ontario law apply. Would it really apply if there was a challenge? Not necessarily because the court is likely to look at where the child is resident or where the child was born. Um, but I mean, definitely when you contract for this, we choose the jurisdiction that has the best legislation. Oh, totally. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense, man. It's like putting a bunch of puzzle pieces together that are from different boxes and trying to (laughs) figure out how to make it work and using like law as the hodgepodge glue to keep it all together. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's wild. That's wild. And like, one of the reasons that I wanted to ask you about how things have changed is last week I spoke with uh, a friend of ours 
about their journey and they live in uh, Ontario. They live in Toronto and um, their donor was a gay man. And so they had to go through like a bunch of extra stuff to like make it okay that they used his sperm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, apparently the, the legislation changed or the laws changed around that recently. Um, so it sounds yeah. like some progressive stuff's been happening in Ontario, which is great. So the, the, the idea about a, a, a gay individual providing sperm um, is actually a Canada-wide change mm. legislation. So that part's not Ontario. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So, so some laws that are federal and some that are provincial. Exactly. So the federal aspect are things like safety, are, and this falls under the safety of sperm and ova regulations. Um, so that, that health legislation that falls under that is the same across the country because it's dealing with a lot of importing and exporting of sperm in particular and ova. Um, so that's the same across the country, but the question of who is a parent is answered differently depending on the province where the baby's born. So there's more pieces to that puzzle and how they work together. Um, but you're right that it was actually really problematic if you wanted, or if a, if a gay individual wanted to donate their sperm, for example, they really couldn't have done so in an anonymous sperm bank, like, whereas in a sperm bank, really, if they were gay before, um, now, um, it's a lot easier to do a directed donation with, um, uh, uh, now they really are in a much better position, but I mean, even to the point now where, um, uh, you could have an HIV positive donor if you wanted to, as long as the doctor was able to sign off and say there's really no significant health risk to the uh, recipient. And we couldn't have done things like that before, not to the same extent. Yeah, no doubt. It's like, when I heard that, I was just like, it made me think of like the blood ban and like all sorts of- It's exactly the same as that, actually. Yeah. That's exactly where it comes from. Interesting. Interesting. That's, I wouldn't have even thought that, cause it's, that sounds like something that's kind of like sneakily tucked away in pockets of legislation that you don't even really, it's like, it's like weird laws. Like, you know, have you ever seen those books that are like weird laws across Canada? Like you can't uh, hold a pole uh, and sing the alphabet on this <laughs> corner of the street in this town. And, but obviously more impactful and substantial yes yeah <laughs> but yeah you're right it's, it's sometimes it makes no sense or it's and it it's not only is it offensive it also just makes no sense yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent so but that's inter- that's good to know that there so the laws that dictate who gets to be considered the parent are provincial and yes. then the the like health and safety laws are the ones federal. that are federal okay got okay. it and the same idea that you can't pay a donor, that's illegal, that's federal. Okay. Can't pay a surrogate, that's federal. Okay. Um, and the age requirements of a donor and a surrogate are federal. Okay, that's interesting and really mm-hmm. good to know. And if you can have a polyamorous family, that's also provincial. And okay, so so really, yeah, what I'm hearing is like anything um, that kind of impacts what the what is like legally defined as a family falls under provincial you got it okay oh man what a what a thing I think a lot of non-queer couples or families would never 
consider how the law would impact like whether or not their uh, their dynamic would fit the legal definition. Hey, what a thing. What a thing to think about. My goodness. Um, okay, so let's say people are, you know, they're about to head on this journey of growing their family um, through having a child. Um, they're going with a known donor. And there's been a lot of questions around known donors specifically. Uh, and I did have a friend ask about surrogacy as well. Uh, what are some of the, maybe the first things that, that folks should consider about getting in place in terms of like the legalities of things? So I'm actually a big proponent of known donors. I like the idea of a known donor. I'm very comfortable with it. It might, I might be more comfortable with it than the reg, like the general population because this is what I do all day, every day. But yeah. especially in a province like Ontario where we have the benefit of really strong case law where a donor is not parent. Um, I only see the benefits. I don't really see the, the cons. I think like you have the opportunity for the child to know who the donor is if they want to when they're when they're ready to, if they want to, plus if you want updated medical information from the donor going forward about their health or their family's health, yeah, you know, yeah. you have that opportunity. So I just think it's, you know, the exchange of information is really important and really helpful and it puts the best interest of the child front and center, which is great. Um, that being said, it's legal to have a known donor or an anonymous donor in every province right now. There was a challenge in British Columbia um, that originally was successful at the lower level of court saying that it's unconstitutional to allow anonymous donation, but then that was overturned in the Court of Appeal. How would um, that be unconstitutional? Um, she basically compared it to, it, it's uh, Olivia Pratton was the person who brought the challenge. And she was saying that she used um, a comparative group of adoptees and said the same way a province has a duty to keep the information about the identity of the donor sorry, of the, of the birth mother or the birth parent for this child when they reach the age of majority, um, so too should the province have a duty to keep the information about the identity of the donors for the child when they reach the age of majority. Um, you know, it's, it was a reasonably compelling argument. So um, uh, not that to say that adopted kids are the same as donor conceived kids, but there are some lessons that we have learned that go across the board. Um, so for example, we don't do in Ontario, we don't do closed adoptions, we do open adoptions. And um, I think you can kind of make some arguments um, that some of the reasons we do open adoptions are some of the reasons that no donation is so, um, uh, such a positive idea in many ways. So that was her argument. She was successful um, originally and then it got overturned at the Court of Appeal. So that's kind of where we are. There hasn't been a challenge since. Um, uh, sorry, can you repeat your original question? Because I've gone off tangent. Oh, yeah, no worries, no worries. Uh, I do that all the time. My original question was um, for folks that are just getting started on this yeah. journey. Yeah, things to What do you want to do? So, yeah. I mean, first of all, you have to think about if you want to do your donation, and if we're talking about sperm donation, not egg donation, you could do this at home. You yeah. don't have to do it in the clinic. It is your decision. The legalities around it aren't any different, actually, from a parentage perspective. So it's not like some places, there's some jurisdictions in the United States, for example, where to be a donor, someone has to um, leave their semen with a clinic. We don't have that 
there's no requirement. You can do this at home. You can do it, you know, in Starbucks, you can do it wherever you want to do it. Um, uh, And uh, that being said, technically under Ontario law, there is no longer a requirement for a donor agreement. So you can do this without an agreement in place. Um, The problems with doing without that are a few things. One is that Ontario law is actually so progressive that as we've already discussed, it allows multi-parent families. Mm-hmm. So it allows a few people to be parents together. So I think it's safer to be clear who is a parent and who's not a parent. Yeah. Um, but the other reason that it's such a good idea to have a donation agreement in place is if you want things other than just the sperm. So for example, do you want the donor to have an obligation to update you if, if they learn medical information about their health that could have a genetic component that could affect your child? Do you want the the donor to update you if they have children in the future that are genetically related to your child, you know, all those kind of things um, are going to be dealt with in an agreement, including, um, you know, what you are required to reimburse um, uh, any requirements you have about exchanging information. um, uh, Are you allowed to, if you leave the sperm uh, at a, clinic, for example, if you don't do it at home, are you allowed to use that sperm to create embryos later? If, you, if you're if you not successful with IUI, for example, right. what are you allowed to do with any extra embryos? If there are extra embryos, are you allowed to give them to fund? Are you allowed to, must you destroy them? Can you donate them to research or science? All those things. Um, yeah, and it also gives the donor rights because the donor might have want information. They might want to know if a child is born. They might want to know if a child has any genetic issues that could have be relevant for their health or their family's health. Um, You know, they might want to know how many children are born, um, uh, et cetera. So um, it kind of, uh, often we also deal with things like confidentiality. So, and those are things that you can probably figure out between yourselves, but I find a lot of people don't figure these things out between themselves. So the process of going through drafting these agreements is very helpful. So for example, like, you know, a lot of people who do known donor agreements are, are really into like, this is, we're not hiding this. And of course, you know, that's great. I think that's really healthy. Um, But does that mean you're allowed to post something on Facebook, like, and tag, this is like Jillian's donor and Tom, and we're so grateful to him and da da da, or vice versa, you know, like, do you, how, who's going to tell the child? um, At what point are they going to tell the child? Um, Are we telling other family members or other friends? And all those things are dealt with in an agreement if the agreement is uh, thorough and fulsome. And I think that's a really healthy exercise to go through. Um, yeah, absolutely. The other week I interviewed a known donor um, to share his story and, and the process. And yeah, one of the things that he said was like, he didn't realize how much communication was necessary to make sure that everybody was feeling okay at an ongoing basis, mm-hmm. you know, cause like things, things do come up and things change and things that you never think about that are going to be a thing are a thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are all really, really good points. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, a friend of mine was, um, her and her, her partner at the time were trying to conceive and they were, um, can you use a known donor? And, she had mentioned something and this is in Alberta. She had mentioned something about in their, uh, in their like legal documentation, it had to be noted that the um, gestational parent and the, the donor didn't have a sexual relationship 
Is that still a thing that people need to make sure is clear or what would you Well, do? kind of. And the reason is if the child is conceived through sex mm-hmm. in Alberta, for example, the donor is a parent. Ah, okay. But not in Ontario. In Ontario, their donor is a parent unless there's an agreement in place prior to the conception through sex. Prior. That, prior. Right. That's the important part. Prior. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That even that we're having sex and still doesn't make you a parent kind of idea. Okay. okay. So yeah, it is important. Like the, the method, we're very progressive across the country that it doesn't have to be in a clinic. Mm-hmm. But sex is still like conception through sex is still dealt with um, in almost everywhere across the country is if you have sex to conceive the child, then it's the two people who had heteronormative sex are the parents, um, okay. with the exception of Ontario and only in certain circumstances. Okay, okay. That's good to know. That's good. I'm thinking about back to our donor agreement. So I was the gestational parent and um, my wife's brother was the donor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, we like, our, our donor agreement is like this long. <laughs> Even I would stop you there and tell you don't call yourself a gestational carrier because you're not. A gestational carrier is a surrogate, someone who's not a parent. You happen to be the mom who's carrying, but right. you weren't a gestational carrier. I like the gestational parents. That's oh I mean, that's yes, more that's of fine. Like, that's fine. Yeah, the gestational parent. Yeah. Yes. Good. Um, good. Sorry about that. that I don't even think I use that that language in the agreement. I think that's just something that I've picked up picked up yeah over the course of even just doing that this podcast. Like I used to call it the um, the birthing parent, but mm-hmm. I feel I, from what I understand, the language that people prefer in the realm of queer parenting is gestational parents. So that's just, yeah, that's that great. Okay. Yeah. Gestational parent makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, our, our agreement is just like, um, you know, uh, Anthony is not, not considered a parent. He is in no way responsible for financially supporting this child we will not ask him for money or for him to have any sort of parenting role and then we signed off on it kind of a thing so and like got it notarized um Mm -hmm. but I've heard that people like um my co-host for example um partially because I think that their their donor maybe it wasn't quite as close in proximity uh to their family um but um, they had like, and a lot of the folks that we've talked to, they get a lawyer for themselves, a lawyer for the donor. Mm-hmm. Um, why is something like that important? Like if that's the route that you choose, why would it be important to have two separate lawyers? So basically the lawyer for the parents is representing the parents, the lawyer for the donor is representing the donor. And there's a conflict. You can't really properly represent everyone together because right. there are certain parts where as much as we're coming together to build a family, there are certain things that are better for one party and worse for the other and vice versa. So the other thing is if you are a parent and you're having someone enter into a contract on your behalf, it's the best insurance policy you can buy is paying for that independent legal advice from the donor because then the donor can never say, or it's going to have a really hard time saying, well, I didn't understand what I was signing because that lawyer, their lawyer is going to sign off and say, I gave this person independent legal advice. I believe they understood everything that was explained to them, everything in the agreement was clear to them, et cetera. So it's, it's like your best insurance policy. Okay. So basically our agreement is about worth as much as the coaster that my coffee is on right now. <laughs> it's, it's probably not the greatest, but um, <laughs> you're in Ontario and Ontario is pretty strong law. So you're- No, I'm actually in Alberta. Oh, you are in Alberta. Yeah. Well, Alberta has, you know, one of the 
only pros in Alberta um, about this. I I don't love Alberta legislation, but one of uh, the pros in Alberta is that it doesn't allow three people to be parents, which I don't generally like, but in your case, I mean, it, it makes it that the donor is not a parent. So yeah. Uh, as long as he's a donor. So, I mean, ideally you would still have entered into a, a sperm donor agreement, but you didn't. And so yeah, far, yeah. no problem. So we're all good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're fairly confident that it's not going to be an issue. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, given the context of our relationship with the donor, yes. but yeah, better, better safe than sorry in other circumstances. Not everybody's mm-hmm. circumstances are same that is for sure Mm -hmm. I just want to be respectful of your time here I don't want to feel like I don't want to I don't want you to feel like I'm rushing you I just want to be respectful of your time so um I feel like we've covered a lot of really um a lot of really great information here um one question that uh, a friend of mine did ask is um in terms of like surrogacy if someone is being Mm -hmm. a surrogate for uh, a parenting unit is that like a whole nother like schwack of legislation yes so surrogacy is different than being a donor in many ways and there is no place where it's as automatic in Canada the same way like you know for example I was saying in Ontario the legislation is very clear donor is not a parent there is no place across the country that's like a surrogate is not a parent done it's, it's never exactly that final Um, That being said, we have never had a gestational surrogate, so someone who's not genetically related to the child, try to keep a baby in Canada. So it's really uh, um, quite safe. Um, It's, uh, you can't compensate a surrogate in Canada, which for some people is surprising that, I don't know if it's surprising, but a lot of people find that surprising in my experience that you can't compensate the surrogate. Most of the surrogacy we do is gestational surrogacy where the surrogate is not genetically related to the fetus that they're carrying. Um, you, in Ontario, for example, you must enter into a surrogacy agreement prior to the embryo transfer. Um, across the country, pretty much no clinic will do it for you if you're doing gestational surrogacy without a contract in place uh, at the get-go. Um, and even with that contract in place at the get-go, at the moment of birth, the surrogate is still the legal parent and other steps have to be taken to make her not the legal parent of the child. Okay. So um, there's the preconception agreement, but then there's also the post-birth legal parentage process. And that process is into every province. For example, in Alberta, where you are, yeah, if there yeah. was a, a baby born through surrogacy, the parties would have to get a court order that the intended parents are the only parents and the surrogate is not a legal parent of the child. Okay. Um, in Ontario, you could get that court order if you wanted it, but you can do a much simpler and cheaper birth registration process now. The only problem with the Ontario legislation is in order to access that cheaper and, you know, less offensive, in my opinion, uh, birth registration process, um, you have to wait until the seven days after the baby's been born. So the surrogate can't sign away her right um, and allow you to just get the birth registration done for the first seven days of the child's life, which is, you know, really silly considering we don't have um, situations really on the ground where surrogates have tried to keep a baby. So it just adds a layer of complication that seems to be unnecessary. Interesting. So is a lot of the, like the legislation that comes up around this stuff, especially like provincially, is it um, like, 
based on like case law, like stuff that's like happened before that's gone before the court. And they're like, oh, like we should maybe look into this or there's no legislation around this. So we're going to base this on previous decisions that we've seen made or like, how does that? So it really depends on the province. So for example, when Alberta changed its legislation, I think it was already changing its family law legislation in general. So they just changed this part of it. Ontario, part of the reason we're so progressive, our legislation is actually in a way, it's too bad how it came about being. It came about for our charter challenge because our law at the time was rather discriminatory, particularly against two mom families using known sperm donors. So there was a problem before when two mom families using known sperm donors in Ontario that you couldn't register the non-caring mom as the legal parent without getting a court order that the sperm donor was not a parent first. Yeah. And that left uh, some question about who was actually a parent and what happened if something happened to the caring mom in between, you know, like at the time of giving birth, for example. So there was danger there. And so the reason our legislation is progressive is because there were, there was a very serious charter challenge against the province of Ontario that the, the court found that Ontario was discriminating against um, in particular two mom families, although other groups as well. And, um, required a change and gave the government something like 90 days to make the change or something like that. It might've been a bit longer. I don't recall the exact amount of time, but um, I think so as not to get caught again, being discriminatory and have to redo the legislation again, they, they made a lot of changes that it's not perfect legislation, but a huge attempt was made to make it non-heteronormative in general. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's by far the most progressive legislation in the country. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. I, I'm not shocked that like Alberta's isn't the best. Like, hmm. we're the it's not the worst though either. But it's, it's not the worst. Okay, which which province has the most challenging one? Do you think? Um, so it depends. If you're doing surrogacy, Quebec is the worst because Quebec actually says that a surrogacy is null and void, and it doesn't have like a legal parentage process the way we do. Or mm. you'd have to adopt your baby, or um, just have you know, if like if you're not from Quebec and you have a baby born through surrogacy in Quebec, the best you can do is just put the genetic dad on the birth certificate and no one else, but like that leaves you in a really lousy, precarious position too. Mm -hmm. So Quebec is by far the worst when it comes to surrogacy. Yeah. Um, And then uh, the donor situation is other provinces that are still silent. So um, some of the Eastern provinces because now we have changes coming in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, so that's great. Some of the eastern provinces are still silent on the issue about whether the donor is a parent or not, and that leads to potential complications. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, this is all very fascinating, very fascinating wow. stuff. And so, and so important, I think people don't really think about um, like what's going to happen after quite as much like most of sure. and even even like in our in our situation we're just like okay we need to have this donor agreement that we both like agree upon that like you know he, he's not going to come and claim that he's the dad uh and we're not going to ask him for money kind of a thing um and that was like kind of the two biggest things i think in our situation um I, admittedly we haven't even gone and gotten Olivia's birth certificate yet and she was born in July <laughs> oh no you have to do that I know I know we have to do that we yeah the poor <laughs> thing does she doesn't even have a birth certificate yet who are we um but like in in Alberta for example like what kind of things do people need to be able to ha- make sure that both parents are on that birth certificate um so 
in Alberta, it's actually, um, it didn't make a difference if the child was born through a known sperm donor or, um, or conceived using anonymous sperm donor. So either way was acceptable for yeah. uh, registering both moms. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's not like, it's not like when you go to register a baby who's born through sperm donation or egg donation, et cetera, that you have to go and show the agreement to the registrar. You don't do that. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. It, but there was, um, the problem in Ontario was that it was basically considered fraudulent to register the non-caring mom if you were using a known donor at the time. Um, so yeah, because he, she wasn't necessarily a legal parent and maybe the sperm donor was the parent. So it was, it was really problematic. So it's, the change has been really welcome and it it took us from, from a really bad position to a much better position. Yeah, no doubt. So again, that's something people should make sure that they take a look at what their provincial Provincial. laws say about that kind of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I think like people kind of what we were talking about earlier, we're talking about like what kind of things are included in a donation agreement. It's not the most important part is who's a parent, mm-hmm. but we also talk about other things. So it's not, um, it's worth kind of really fleshing out, you know, imagine worst case scenario, right. there's a relationship breakdown between the parties at some point, or you guys pick up and you move to Australia to go, you know, that could happen and you just kind of fall out of touch or Maybe that won't happen because you guys are family, but it could happen to many people who are sure. in the situation. So what do you want to still be a legal obligation between the parties as opposed to mm. just like based on a trust system? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. And so if people were wanting, like before they go and, and connect with, with uh, their legal parties and they wanted to start looking into what donor agreements might look like? Is there a place online where people might be able to find more information about what they should be considering in a donor agreement? Or do you think that their lawyer would be the best person to ask? I, th- about that? I think you're going to have to ask a lawyer to do it. So people have asked yeah. me like frequently, will you put a, a standard agreement online? And I can't do that because then someone's going to use it and not know that their situation is a little bit different or something right. to worry about in their situation. And suddenly you, know, you open yourself up to a lawsuit. So yeah, can't do that. But uh, definitely, at least talk to a lawyer if you don't get them to draft an agreement for you, and mm-hmm. at least talk to them so that you have an idea about what is going forward. And uh, I, I personally, like, I understand I'm a lawyer, so it's kind of funny and obvious that I would say so. But I really think having an agreement is a good idea, and it's not a huge cost investment. So I think it's, I think it's smart to do. So I would mm-hmm. highly recommend it be done. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't, I never recommend that people take the route that we took. Cause we took like on so many accounts, like even, I mean, I mean the way that we conceived, I think is very casual too, is like a coffee mug and like, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a syringe, um, you know, but we did everything very like bare bones, basic. And that's not something that works for all families. And um, especially with the donor agreement thing, I don't recommend that people take that route uh, unless they are in the exact same position that we are in. And even then, maybe yeah, even then you were willing to take a risk. And were, yeah, 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 exactly. We were willing to take a risk for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so are there any, any last words, anything that you want to add a funny story you want to tell? Maybe, I don't know. Is law funny? I'm uh, I, <laughs> Um, I That's why I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I don't have a funny story. The only thing I would want to say is like to give people hope, basically, that mm. like 
they can build their family. And for the most part, you know, depending on the province, but for most provinces, really in most population, really in the way that their families and their heart and the way they see their family. And uh, it's a, uh, it's totally doable. Just take steps to protect yourself. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Absolutely. That's, that is a wonderful message to leave this off on. Um, yeah, I love it. I love a message of hope. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Um, if so people can only really hire you if they live in Ontario. So it depends if there's okay, some, okay. if there's some link to Ontario. Yes. Other people do hire me anyways, even if they're not in Ontario, just because I might not be an expert where they are. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. other people do hire me too, but for the most part, I do a lot of Ontario work. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Um, well, if it's okay with you, I'd still love to put um, a link to your, oh, of uh, course your- I'd love it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if people need to get in touch and whatnot. Um, yeah, this has been really great. I feel like my, my mind has expanded and uh, <laughs> I'm very, yeah, very grateful uh, for you taking the time to share your knowledge and your expertise with us. Um, I think this is going to pair with the episodes um, that I did with the known donor and um, it'll either be one after the other or something, but yeah, no, this is really great. A lot of people are going to really benefit from this information. So thank you again so much for your time, Sarah. No problem. My pleasure. Take good care. I will. You too. Have a really great day. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and supporting our podcast. We here at the Queer Moms You Wish You Had are eternally grateful for all of the love we've been receiving since starting this thing back in November, 2020. If you are looking for ways to further support what we do here, there are a couple. First one, totally free, no cost to you. Just head to wherever you are getting your podcast today. Give us a follow, maybe leave us a review. Share what we've got going on here with your friends. Additionally, you can head over to our Instagram page, which is linked through the show notes. Follow us there. Share that around as well. Help us get the word out. Secondly, if you have the means to do so and feel so moved, you like what we're doing here, There's also a button for donations to help us continue doing this work here. Third, if you are a queer owned or allied business or you know a queer owned or allied business and you would like to partner with us in some way, please get in touch. We would love to talk about a sponsorship or a partnership that would work for us both. Thanks again so much for listening and supporting our work. We hope you have a super gay day.